0: So i start these podcasts now with just uh, thank you so much for listening. Do your thing? So <laughs> that's literally it. It's just like thank you so much for listening. Like just thanking people for actually dedicating themselves to actually trying to um, hear different perspectives and wanting to learn a lot more. But also just the investment in data is just like a big thing. <laughs> um, I'd like you to introduce yourself. I think people need to hear your story before... I
1: just call it. Uh, what's up? My name is Rian free I'm an emotional developer that predominantly works in the entrepreneurial ecosystem in South Africa. And the thing that I'm really interested in is talking, is finding a way to have the uncomfortable conversation before it's too late. So I think that when we try to make anything happen uh, for ourselves in our personal lives or professional life, I think when the... There's, no, there's a South African expression called when the pawpaw hits the fan, <laughs> which, is, which is when things start going pear-shaped, that we start living in a space of regret, of 2020 hindsight, and sometimes having the uncomfortable conversation around what are the factors that are really impacting and affecting your success and your sense of well-being and, and your project or the business that you're starting – I think that having that conversation up front in a, in, a, in a kind and useful way before is very often the best way to go. So I try and facilitate that conversation.
0: I think like, that's something that's lacking in entrepreneurship, is emotional development, even though that's literally everything. It's right? how you think, how you feel, is gonna affect how you work. Like, why, why isn't there more of you?
1: Because I think it's very difficult to do, yeah. um, so I'm very fortunate that that I've got a I've got a mentorship team that have been with me for a very very long time. Uh, my mother's an occupational therapist. Um, my mentor, since the age of twelve, actually started out as my psychologist and then gradually became a mentor and a teacher. He's the He's the clinical psychology professor for Stanford University. So I've, and I've actually worked with him in groups. So I learned how to do group facilitation from him. So I've, I've been very lucky to equip myself without the normal, you know, I get psychology students going, how dare you? How dare you do this? Because I don't have a psychology degree and I don't pretend to be a psychologist. For me, the conversation that, I'm, that I like to have is the conversation that happens before you might need to go and see a psychologist um, to just go, you're actually equipped with a lot already. Mm-hmm. And, and that if you were to think about things in a certain way and you were to realize that there's certain very basic ideas um, such as for instance, um, dark, dark and shadow, which is just a basic union idea, which is that uh, sorry, light and shadow, which is a basic union idea around when something is happening, that's good you must also count in the fact that there's something that's, that's dark and there's a part of you that you show the world that's in the light and there's a part of you that you shy away. And you want to integrate those two worlds as much as you can so that you can be authentic and, and feel like you have a sense of integrity. And those are the kind of things. So for instance, one of the things that very often happens is with entrepreneurs is that they feel so much pressure and judgment that they only rely on their light and they don't have, have a way to integrate the parts of themselves that they might actually feel ashamed of. And because of that, those parts are the parts that they actually, those are the parts that keep you up at night. Yeah. And then finds its way into the work that you're doing the next day without you even realizing. So this, is, this influences your reactions, it influences your decisions, it influences the way in which you treat people. And if you don't get those three basic things right, you're, the likelihood of your success is significantly detrimented.
0: Sure. So, like, we were talking before just about a winning culture, and I feel like that's sort of the light that you're talking about, where people are just focused on the wins that they're getting and not so much, you know, what might keep them up at night or whatever. Like, what do you think of the winning culture that entrepreneurship sort of has where we're going to celebrate everything that you do in terms of how you win, but we're not really going to talk that much about the actual hardships of it and like what it's going to take and stuff like that.
1: All right, so before we... I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. I actually asked him to bring it up because it's, <laughs> it's something that he talks about often that I find interesting. Um, what is your definition of winning? So when you're talking about we must win no matter what, what is that?
0: So for me, um, winning looks like purpose. Um, it looks like every day making an impact in someone's life in some way, whether that's from a business perspective or a learning perspective. Just generally contributing to people's lives in some way, like it's a very different sort of winning. Um, but obviously, there's also you know winning in terms of my career, winning in terms of my in terms of my business and stuff like that. But mainly, purpose.
1: Okay, so for you in a personal capacity, what you're saying is that it's purpose-driven. But if you were to make it about entrepreneurship in the entrepreneurship spectrum, what would you say winning is? Is it getting that new client? Is it? And then the the thing that I find most interesting is that. Yes, we can internalize the concept of winning. We can feel like winners, right? And then my immediate, so that's the light, so the dark would be, why do you need to feel like a winner? Why do you need to convince yourself that you feel like a winner? What are you lacking that you're compensating for that you need to let me know that you're a winner? Why must you act like it? Because that inherently is the opposite of humility. Oh, yeah. And we know that humility goes a f- much longer way than a sense of propping yourself up and poising yourself for, you know, the number one position.
0: Like, I think there's also a deep, like, insecurity in entrepreneurs. Like, that's where the compensation to sound, look, and feel like a winner comes from, to focus on the light, because of the deep inherent insecurity of, like, who am I to deserve this much winning? Or, you know, does what I'm doing actually add value to the world? so that deep insecurity like plays into
1: that and we don't talk about it so so <laughs> no. so so one of one of the things that I do is that I actually did this event 2 years ago and it's restarting this year in a big way it's, a, it's an event series and online portal called First 365 and the aim of it was to talk about the very first year of entrepreneurship, but also to talk about, like I said, the uncomfortable pieces that, so for instance, when you start a business, the likelihood of some friendships falling away is, is, is high. Absolutely. Learning that, oh, maybe you, my parents don't actually support me. That sometimes happens, oh, yeah. right? So you learn, you learn about your, your environment and your situation and yourself, in a, it's a crash course in a, in a very real way. So one of the things that I did at the event that I thought was really beautiful, actually, is I got everyone to stand up from their seats and we went to the one side and it was completely open. And I asked them to stand on one side of the room and I said, close your eyes. And the question was, if you feel guilty about your choice to be an entrepreneur, cross the room.
0: Oh, man, that, oh, man, that would would kill me.
1: Everyone crossed the room And oh, okay. opened their eyes and looked around And realized this thing that only, This idea that only Visits me seconds before I sleep That's the only window of time When I allow it to even surface In my mind We all have that Because Being an entrepreneur inherently Is an insistence that you are unique And special and that you have something to offer And I think that our society looks down on that. I'll give you another example. I was doing a talk at a very disadvantaged school in the outskirts of of Cape Town. To give you an indication about the school, the school doesn't actually have a school building. What it has is um, containers, Mm. and they've got about 10 of them on a property. And that makes up the school. And you can actually go onto YouTube. You can see me t- talk to the kids um, about this particular thing. Maybe you can pop it in there yeah. um, in, the, in, in the description of, of the link. So what I, what I asked was, who of you have been told that you're special? Now, just to say that these kids are between the ages of – they're high school kids. So they're 13 to 18. So I say, who here has been told in the last year that they're special? and then they kind of looked at me, and I said, but as if it was a bad thing. In other words, ah, you think you're special. What makes you so special? And everyone raised their hands. Uh, Not everyone, I'd say a good 60% raised their hands. And I think that that is the culture that we live in, and I think, to be absolutely honest, that this is not demographic sensitive. I think that this is as true in white communities as it is in other communities in South Africa. Um, if you haven't been able to tell from my voice, I am white. <laughs> and my name, I've the most Afrikaans yeah, name.
0: In the, in the, in the
1: will know they'll, they'll know. Um, and I think that that's a fascinating idea. Is that our, we're, we're raised in a way that doesn't make us resilient in a way that we need to be to be able to feel of use. Because to feel of use is quite a privilege. Yeah. We're lucky. So you started the show going, thank you for listening. You feel privileged that you get to do what you do. And that, and that is a beautiful part of entrepreneurship. And if that's not raised in us, if that's, not, if that's not born in us from a very young age, it's very difficult to get that together later in life without a lot of really, really hard work of having to disassociate yourself from, say, your family. it's why, it's why also it's called First 365. Because very often entrepreneurs in South Africa are the very first, it's yeah, a, their in the families or of their communities, is actually going, All I want to do is help.
0: Yeah.
1: Is, is it, and then it becomes, Is it okay? Am I allowed to? Sure. And we need to, so we compensate with this idea of winning and this, it's almost like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's like, you know, it's that new sneaker feeling. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like when you bear, wear, wear those brand new pair of Nikes and you, you strap them in and you, you tie them up for the very first time. And that feeling of, I've arrived. Yeah. But we've got to do that daily. And we have to find different ways to be able to find that. I mean, I think that's why Instagram has done so well for men, for instance, is that we, we get a sense of confidence from seeing other people win and et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is, is that it's without context. Yeah, We don't know what they're doing to win. We don't know if they're actually winning. We don't, you know what I mean? So there's this entire shadow side to the illusion of winning that very often isn't talked about. And that actually sets us up for failure yeah. because what happens when you try and win and you lose and you've done exactly what you thought you needed to do. The only thing that's left is the inverse of you feeling special, which is there's something wrong with me.
0: So, like- when you think about that, right? So, a lot of entrepreneurship is basically just a roller coaster, right? Sure. It's just wins, losses, wins, losses, wins, losses, and then a period of just losses, right? What, what do you think happens to someone when they've tried to compensate and like gain the confidence to do what they want to do, mm-hmm. right? And they've gotten that validation for a period of time where it feels like everything's a win, yeah. and then you get punched in the face? yeah what happens to someone
1: yeah so that's so that's a conversation that I'm really familiar with so before I really started focusing on entrepreneurs I worked as an artist developer for about 4 years which means that I worked with recording artists in the music industry and I essentially was an outcomes based counselor for musicians to help them integrate their brand and their personality so that there's a greater sense of authenticity and that their creative journey can actually be a product of their personal growth so that when they share themselves through music, that's actually what they're doing. Cause if you're going to insist that 5,000, 10,000, 50,000 people see you, you might as well share yourself in the process. Right. Yeah. So i being in the music, music industry, especially in South Africa, there's a lot of that, what you're describing, which is, Either I worked for five years, then suddenly I have a couple of successes. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of hits, and then it falls away. And it is—it's is it's gut-wrenching to see. It is gut-wrenching, gut-wrenching, gut-wrenching to see. Someone who, because you see, when, when, when you start winning, and I think that there are cultural differences in this, um, White people generally kind of leave each other alone, but the other the other cultures in, in South Africa, if you're winning, it, you're getting calls from family that you didn't oh, even yeah. know about. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely! Just like, oh, congratulations, you're
1: amazing. Yes, but also like, my cousin needs some shoes. Oh, of course. Right, it <laughs> comes
0: second. It r- comes later in the conversation.
1: Correct. That, but 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 often the congratulations was a a a pathway to the ask. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. People need things. But I think that once you're in that position where it's not just I'm doing well, but I'm doing well for everyone, especially in the hip-hop culture, which is predominantly where I worked, it's, it's you're winning for all of us. Yeah. So there's a, there's a pressure in that. And there is a – it's almost like a public lashing and scrutiny. And like Twitter is, is a terrible place if you're no longer doing well. And I think that we don't sufficiently have an understanding as to what we're actually doing,
0: Yeah.
1: right? So we we sacrifice so much for a very short period. Music, for instance, you sacrifice a lot for a very short period of success. Generally speaking It's very rare to have a 5 to ten, twenty year Like the fact that Casper is doing as well as, as he is For as long as what he has um, For international listeners There's Kasper neuvest uh, Who's a top hip hop artist here in South Africa um, The fact that he's done it And that so much of what he's doing is in vernac, The fact that he's sustained himself Is It's incredible to watch yeah. And also like but if you know, let's let's. I don't know Casper at all. But if but if I look at his trajectory, the latest album that he brought out significantly more introspective. He's he's been forced into the limelight so significantly that for him himself to feel that there is a there's a balance between yeah. his reality and the expectation of his reality. He's learned through trial and error, trial and error, that what I'm doing isn't working. And I need to start either sharing myself in a way that's more real so that people can actually connect with me and be kinder to who I am as opposed to who you think I should be. Mm. And these are all the things that we've got to do as people who share ourselves. You know, I don't make a separation between a uh, recording artist and an entrepreneur because, because you're betting on yourself regardless.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, I, I mean, I just find it really interesting that we focus so much of our time on just getting that first streak, but we don't have the humility to understand that it's just a. Why isn't the winning streak just a bump in the road? Yeah. We think of it as the be-all and end-all, and that afterwards, oh well, it's no longer here. I'm worthless. This is a, obviously that was going to happen. Yeah,
0: because then you you basically an addict, right? Because you're constantly just chasing the high of the win. Instead of the longevity of a really good career Or a really long You know Sustainable business that like really lasts And really has an impact like long term
1: Right so that's so, so for me, I think that that's so right And I think that for me There is You gotta ask yourself What you're doing it for And I think that there isn't enough Of a space for people To really engage with this idea So Are you doing it because some people want to win out of spite, right? Because they've been told they're losers and nothing their entire life. And they're going, oh, okay, cool. Well, I haven't been popular at school. I've actually learned to code and I'm going to start an app and I'm going to win. You know what I mean? Or there's a sense of we're motivated by such dynamic and interesting reasons it could be that, that you, you want to be better than your dad because maybe you had a deadbeat dad and you're going, I will not be like you, right? So that's, that's if, you, if you're not careful, that's quite a, a negative motivation because it's coming from a place of sadness and anger. It's not a place of contribution and purpose. Yeah. So you've got to ask yourself what you're doing it for. And I think that that's, there, there's a separation. There is ego entrepreneurs and there are customer entrepreneurs. Because if you're doing it for the right reasons, for which by my standards is to enhance and enrich the lives of people that you are serving, mm-hmm. if you're doing it for those reasons, then whether or not there's a fluctuation in what you're doing shouldn't matter. Yeah. Because it's not about you, it's about your audience. And you just keep doing the thing like, like. A lumberjack doesn't stop cutting wood when everyone's got doors.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? Like the work doesn't stop because there's always more people to help. And then you just have to bet on your momentum. And, and very often when, when things start becoming really tough, what do we do? Instead of pushing forward and keeping the momentum of what we've been building for 10 years going, we lock ourselves in a room and, and wish the world will end. Yeah. You know, and we go into to depression because you got to be a pretty extreme person to be an entrepreneur to begin with, yeah. right? Because it's such a risky thing.
0: Absolutely, I think that's something like with the video that you showed me just before, which I think I will link to this. Right? To awesome. End. Like you made an analogy about being an entrepreneur. Being an entrepreneur is like being in a room with no lights on. Like mm. just to speak about that.
1: Yeah. So, it's, so it's, it's it is an analogy, and basically. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down like this. Okay. When you're a child, you look at adults. Do you remember when you were like five and you thought that a 30-year-old was an adult? Oh,
0: yeah. 30-year-old had everything figured out when I was
1: five. Right. And we become 30. I'm 31 now. And, it's, and, it's, and, and the inverse happens, which is you look at 50, 60-year-olds and you go, they don't have it to have figured out either. So there's an illusion of certainty as you grow up that's that crumbles and as you become more independent you realize that uncertainty is the product of independence so i think that this there there's a there's a story that i think a lot of south africans especially because i think that and and i'll say this i think a lot of south africans should be more proud I don't think we know what we've got going for ourselves, and I think that we we're not very well travelled, a lot of us, and we compare ourselves via the media to other countries, and we go look at us, look at how we're living. Um, there's 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 an we were talking about how complex South Africa is. It's like you can't be that complex uh, complex and not be extremely talented and humane. Like we're very good people down here, Yeah. you know, so. There's a, there's a story that we tell ourselves that we look at others and we go, oh, they, they know. They have certainty. They know the, the pieces. And it's like a puzzle. Yeah. And then you just get the pieces in the puzzle and you put it together and then everything makes sense. So the analogy is entrepreneurship is like being in a dark room. Where every now and again you see a flicker And another flicker And suddenly for a brief second The li- the rumours illuminated And what it means is that we have a sense of direction But the problem is, is that The flicker was so short That we don't know whether or not the direction Is our true north We don't know if the direction that we're actually going in That we've convinced ourselves Because we have now the choice We have to convince ourselves, right uh, Which And then to find a sense of, this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't light long enough to be able to go, this is right. So you have to trust. And the only thing that you've got to trust in is yourself. It's all that you have. You just have your own intuition, your own talent, your own sense of connection, and I mean, The thing that I've learned in the last couple of years is that your success is not determined by your skill. It is determined by your network. And I I always knew that, right? Because it's like an axiom. It's like your network is your net worth. But it's actually really difficult to find people who actually know what they're talking about. They're very rare. Most people just do as they're told, even if they're entrepreneurs, because they're still working for someone. So to find people who have really, truly independently figured out how things work, and how things might work, and how things might change, to have any kind of footing in the world, they're very rare. Yeah. So the analogy of being in the dark room and then seeing, the, uh, seeing short pieces of light, it, it runs starkly against the idea of, of there's a tunnel of light which you walk towards and slowly but surely, you become more conscious and more certain and an entrepreneurship that doesn't really happen. It, yeah. it, it might happen subjectively when you've got a lot of money just because you're able to make more moves. But that doesn't mean that the moves you make are certain. Yeah. It just means that you get to make more of them so the likelihood of some being potentially working out is more likely, but inherent in our journey as entrepreneurs is to accept the fact that we don't know what we don't know. And our job outside of serving others is to serve ourselves by equipping ourselves with tools and understandings and humility to be able to go, okay, today I know a little bit more and to not, there's no such thing as an answer there's no such thing as certainty. And we need to learn to be comfortable with that.
0: So when you're talking about tools, right, and obviously on the subject of psychology and emotional um, readiness to be an entrepreneur, like being equipped, like equipping yourself, mm-hmm. what would you say like would really, really help an entrepreneur in terms of that specifically? Like how do you equip yourself emotionally and psychologically to be an entrepreneur and really sustain a business? So I have a idea that with incubators and workshops and stuff like that it's always more technical you know sometimes more just platitudes and you know motivation this motivation that but no one's really talking about the emotion and psychology of being an entrepreneur and what you really need to put inside yourself or have or develop in yourself mm-hmm. to really stay in what you're doing
1: uh, so i think to to start that 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 answer for me is it's very difficult to give. It's very difficult to prescribe one rule of thumb to everyone. Right. But there are certain things that you can do to start fortifying yourself in a way that is, that makes you emotionally stronger. Right. Now, I think that's the the easiest way to start Is that when we usually think about strength Right? So that's a very masculine idea And that's not male That's masculine That's energetic I think one of the first things that we think about Is that strength is Removing yourself from the situation emotionally Despite the opportunity for compassion And I think the first step to being able to be more compassionate to others, which is essentially just service, right? As entrepreneurs, that's all that we are. We are just servicemen. Um, You have to start being compassionate to yourself. So there are a couple of guys in in Cape Town that do self-care Sundays, Mm -hmm. right? And they dedicate a day to just doing what they need whether that is being with friends, whether that is going for a walk. They do something that is just in line with what it is that their body tells them that they need. Um, so, the problem that I find with a lot of people is that they aren't actually in conversation with themselves.
0: Yeah.
1: So they don't know what they need. They don't know what they want. So, the, the thing that I have as a part of my life That has helped And it's going to sound really basic But I'll explain why Is that that I read And I've been reading from a very early age And what reading does Is it allows for you to ingest The conversation that someone else is having With themselves in their mind Privately And you get to ingest that Privately As an example of what that conversation Might look like for you yeah. So it's not necessarily learning about what's in the book, but you're learning about how the character or the author thinks about what's happening in the book, which is different because it equips you with learning what your perspective is. So if you agree or disagree with something, something that's happened, something that someone said, the very first responsibility that you have is to inquire why you agree with that and we live in a in a society right now very much influenced by america which is that there's a right way to think and there's a wrong way to think right so for instance when you when you're thinking about anything to do with gender or race there's a right side of the of the line and there's a wrong side of the line and I'm not saying that that's not a way in which we should be navigating the world with kindness and compassion and empathy. What I'm saying is, is that the moment you allow someone else to determine how you must think and feel about things without you deciding that for yourself, what you're doing is, is that you're anti-thinking.
0: Yeah.
1: You're not actually integrating this opinion that you have and would defend with the same, as you said, platitudes that you have been fed and a particular way of thinking that has particular sentences of, of debate, rather than integrating it with, with who you are and your values. And I think that's a great way to start. So start reading, understand how other people have defined their perspective, learn about your perspective. And then when you do react from something, just ask yourself, why? and the problem is is that people don't ask themselves enough that specifically why and what i mean by enough is not often it's got to do with amount right so you can shout at a at a client i'll use i'll, I'll use the opposite example a client shouts at you right because people can be rude
0: yeah.
1: client shouts at you and you react By making yourself small, right? Why is it that that was your choice? Why was that your default position? Why did you cower in the face of adversity? Now, you could maybe take it back to something that happened recently, which is you came from a relationship that was unfair, and in that relationship, whenever that person dominated over you, you would cower. You would make yourself small. And then you go. Then that's normally where people stop. People go, "Oh, I'm going, I'm I'm getting out of a out of a bad relationship. I'm fragile, right? But it's usually not true. What What often will be the case is that this pattern that you have is something that you've had your entire life, and It came from your wanting to feel loved by your mother or father, never receiving it. And whenever it is that you felt dominated by your parent, to be able to feel the love that you need, you would make yourself small. So our stories are deeply complex and we have a history. And when we don't take our history in account, then our present doesn't belong to us and how deeply we understand the context of our existence, which means what are the pieces of our history that are still very alive in the micro moments of our reactions. If we don't look into that, if we don't have that conversation with ourselves as a way to practice self-compassion or self-care, then we are simply at the mercy of others. Because it might be that a better way to deal with the client shouting at you Would be to ask them about what's happening with them To be able to stand your ground in a way that is still kind and compassionate And I think that I think the thing to remember is that, that You are not just one thing And your reaction is, just, is not just one thing so one of the, the, the concepts that I'm, I'm a big fan of is the idea of, of brave strength, right? So I'm able to speak firmly and say what I mean, but not in a way that makes you, that humiliates you or puts you down. So there's a way that I can respect myself, without disrespecting you. And very often a way to do that is to understand that being kind is a brave act. And popular culture does not really speak to this. It's that if you're an entrepreneur, yes, you are constantly in service of your customers. But that's only a, uh, a... It's a battlefield that you get to equip yourself through to be able to do it in other parts of your life mm. and that part of your service is to simply just be kind to other people and to help where you can because that's what makes you an entrepreneur it's just you're just finding new ways to help so i think that those are some of the things to to do so start truly listening to others, which is and reading is an easy way to do that because a lot of people don't feel comfortable just listening to other people. I mean, the fact that you do what you're doing here, it's very rare. You're literally just sitting. You've got your you've got your hand up underneath your underneath your cheek, and you are just listening to what I have to say. Yeah,
0: yeah. I like listening. I think the listening
1: is is part of learning. Agree. Agreed. Most people are scared to learn because they're scared to face what they don't know. Yeah. Right. So you've learned that that's the only way in which you can better yourself. And that's not particular to you. That's particular to all of us. Yeah. And so those were the things. So, so I would go learn to equip your own perspective by engaging with this, with the perspective of others without judgment. Um, the second would be to understand your pattern and understand how old the pattern is and to go back to where the pattern started and engage with it. And that might be very difficult. It might be that you need to take your dad for coffee. And it might be that you need to tell him, I forgive you. And to accept, however he reacts, that, that you've said it with, with brave strength, which is that you're not resenting him, but that you are setting yourself free by forgiving.
0: Yeah. So you, you talk about, like, we've gone through just the idea of winning, the idea of light and shadow Like, what do you think of work life balance what do you think of um, just the idea of being busy as an entrepreneur
1: yeah so if you don't have time to respond to my emails I don't take you seriously as a human being and I understand that there are people that generally have 200-300 emails that they have to go through I also know that that's quite rare Right? Yeah. Unless you are completely inundated with unnecessary communication. But that's just one example. There are so many people who feel the sense of validation that you talked about earlier around this concept of busy. And very often they're busy doing nothing. But it's more complicated when you're an entrepreneur because busy doing nothing is it's a real pastime for an entrepreneur who feels guilty when he's not working. So he can't go and play a game of tennis. He can't go and spend time with his friends because in his mind he goes, I should be working. So there, it's, there's a difference between the, the permission guilt and the action guilt that we feel as entrepreneurs. So permission guilt is what we talked about earlier, which is who makes me, what, what makes me believe I'm the person that other, other people should be benefiting from? Who gives me, what gives me the right? But this other one is, is for me more interesting, which is action guilt, which is, I will sit at home and I will binge or I will be on Instagram you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs confuse productivity with being on social media, right? And they go, no, I can't go. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But it's not really necessarily healthy because we there are certain things that, that we do need. So, for instance, we do need to be alone. We do need good sleep, we, which is if you think that six hours is enough sleep, it's, it's simply just not.
0: Yeah, and there is that culture of, while you sleep, I grind. Oh. <laughs> and that's like, that's one of the things I've always looked at, and earlier on, I, I used to think of that and go, yes, absolutely. You obviously can't sleep because, you know, someone else is making progress somewhere, and you're not. But then, the older you get, the more you realize, like, if you're not okay, the work won't be good.
1: So I think that's the responsibility that we have. In the same way that we have to take responsibility for being of service, we have to take responsibility for ourselves as service men and women. And I think that you can can Google work-life balance and you'll find a ton of things, and it's all true, but the problem is, is if we know it's true, why don't we do it? That's the conversation worth having, right? So, I mean, I can rattle off a whole bunch of things that you should do for work-life balance but uh, for me it's got to do with what is it that 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 that's getting in your way of feeling like you deserve like feeling wholesome Mm. right feeling whole feeling integrated and i think that there's I think that, that there's a shadow part to entrepreneurship which is quite like self flagellating. Um, so if anyone's watched The da Vin- I want to say it's Da Vinci Code, not Angels and Demons by, by Dan Brown. It talks about a very specific um, sect within the, the Catholic Church which is which is very devout. And very strict. And one of the things that they do is that they've got a long lash with needles that they hit themselves on the back to be able to have empathy and identify with Christ. I think that there's a part of us that 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 uh, that that does this, right? And even me, I'm like, I'm starting to get uncomfortable now. Um, but <laughs> but I think that it it is true. I think that there's a part of us that goes. If I'm not where I need to be I must punish myself for not being there And that that's how I will motivate myself Because it might be that that's how we were raised For whatever reason That's right if If you don't do what I say to you You don't get food Some families operate that way Or you'll stand outside It's like You were taught to do the right thing Only via punishment So now that you don't have the parent figure who's, you know, you've got running your own business, you're doing things on your own. You, you find other ways to bring that pattern to life and you punish yourself. So the problem is, is that it's really easy to disguise what a punishment might be. A punishment might be, I don't see anyone. And then slowly I become depressed. And then I use my depression as an excuse for my lack of progress. And that becomes a cycle. And then there's also a part of that, if you were just to follow my logic, which is if I am punishing myself to be able to succeed, um, you know, so just, just so the, a great example is athletes. They push themselves so hard, so far, that they actually cripple themselves. Yeah. It's, have you ever seen those people that just before they need to perform, they actually get an injury? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, what did you do to be able to push yourself to that limit that you now can't even do the thing that you were preparing yourself for? And I think the same thing sometimes happens with entrepreneurs. It's, it's like, have, have you ever met someone that wants to start a business but doesn't because they're constantly watching YouTube videos? Oh,
0: yeah. Right? So- or people just stuck in the cycle of learning before they actually even get started or if they either, ever actually
1: get started. Right, so I would I would venture to say that that's a form of punishment, which is going I will remind myself every day that I'm incapable. I'm living in a state of feeling incapable and I will convince myself that I'm doing the thing that I want to do and in some way living my passion or dream or whatever kind of cheesy, you know, cloud in the fairy land something or other you want to call it but the reality is, is that it's the same as that video that you wanna share that I showed you earlier. It's like you are forcing yourself to be stagnant, to be stuck, and that in itself is also a punishment. So it, it brings us back to the thing of like, what do we, what do we deserve? And that's a profound question. It's like, what, have, what are the stories that we've told ourselves about who we are, what we get to enjoy, What we get to do And how we get to be of Of benefit to others And I think that that's a conversation That we don't like to have Because if you were to tell someone Yeah, you're you're struggling With feeling like you deserve this The person's going to not feel very nice About that, right? It's a very, very confrontational, challenging concept So we have to have it ourselves Which is even more difficult So I think the thing that you've got to ask yourself is there are things in a day. So this is bringing it back to busy, right? There are things in a day that you feel you did, but there are also things that you do every day without even thinking that you also did. Yeah. And to me, the real work is making the things that you do without thinking part of the things that you feel that you did. And it might be that there are certain habits in your day that you don't even take into consideration that are ma- that's making you feel as if you're busy, but it's actually just a justification for something else, right? And that could, be, that could be arguing with a partner where you don't feel like that's something that you did, but you spent two and a half hours trying to make a point. And it interrupted you throughout the entire day and actually put you in a bad mood. Why do you feel you deserve that? What is it about you that looked for that? And then you go, oh no, but she started the argument with me. I didn't look for that. I'm like, look into that. Who really did start the argument? And if the argument was started with her, why did you continue it? You're in charge of your time. You're in charge of your efforts. You're in charge of your energy. And you must take responsibility for these pieces of yourself So In the same context the, the glamorization Of entrepreneurs feeling busy I think It tells me a couple of things It tells me that you're not effective It tells me that you're overwhelmed And, po- and not available Um, It tells me that you believe you need to be something to be able to be someone, because it's a story that you're telling yourself of like, well, I'm an entrepreneur, so I need to be busy, which you don't have to be. It's like, I'm very lucky that I've learned, because I've been doing this for a very long time, to to be able to be efficient. Mm -hmm. And I pride myself on being, if I've got five different things on my to-do list today, That if I get them done in an hour, I'm really happy Because that means I get to enjoy the rest of my day Right? So you've got to ask yourself, what are you working for? And then the deeper question is, who are you working for? What part of yourself are you working for? Who in your life are you working for? What is the real message you are trying to send with your energy, with your effort? Are you trying to show someone up? Are you trying to prove someone wrong? Are you trying to make someone else feel bad? These are sometimes motivations that we have that we don't even take into consideration, but they're very core to what drives us every day. And if you are stuck in a position where you are doing things for people other than yourself and the people you're trying to serve or in your target market, that is a form of punishment that's a form of hell because you're stuck in the perception of of someone else's reality that might not even exist anymore. You're you're stuck in a conversation that happened 10 years ago that you've quietly been repeating every single time. Um, So that again goes back to emotional intelligence which is just pattern recognition. You know, why is it that, you know, I always tell the story and this is, this is just to bring it back to, to the pattern thing. You know, so there's a, there's a Dane Cook joke and, and domestic abuse is nothing to joke about. But he wasn't actually making a, a joke about domestic abuse as much as it was about how we make excuses for bad behavior.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And it's true. I've just watched the R. Kelly thing. I'm shook. Uh, it's true that you do. It does take seven times for someone to get out of a uh, out of a f- abusive domestic relationship. However, for the context of the point that I'm trying to make, there there's a there, I always imagine it as a beautiful terrace, and there is there are three friends sitting with one friend. The one friend's got sunglasses on, and they, she's wearing like a hat. And the friends are going, Lisa. We know what's happening. You can't stay with him. He's bad for you. We know why you're wearing those sunglasses. He's hurting you. And she goes, guys, you really think it's that simple? My CDs are in his car. So we sometimes make ludicrous excuses for the environment and situations that we're in. But what if we took that further, right? What if we took that further to the sense that maybe Lisa when she was 12 would stay up as late as she possibly can outside playing with her friends up until the very last bit of sun because she doesn't want to go home because she knows that her father is going to find any excuse to hit her. He will will punish her in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. And then by the age of 16, that kind of slows down a little bit. She's starting to mature a little bit. And she, she no longer gets hit. And she thinks that's a part of her life that's behind her. And then she goes to college and she meets a boy and he's very nice. Nice. And within six months, he starts hitting her too. Breaks up with him after a very tumultuous relationship. And then continues with the, uh, finishing her degree. And then she gets herself her first place and then she finds some, uh, someone else, and, and they're nice. And the same thing happens. Lisa believes that to feel loved, she must be hit.
0: She needs to endure the pain in order to...
1: Justify the love, yes. Because that's the relationship that she has with the male, the masculine, because of her father. So you can trace that down And we all have a pattern. We all have a particular kind of person that we're seeking. And there's a very hard truth to learn in this, which is that what we want as people is what's familiar, not what makes us happy. Because the brain is designed to keep us alive, not to keep us happy. So if we believe, if we are trapped in a paradigm of thinking, where we believe that to be able to, to feel like we're doing the right thing or that the right thing is happening, that doesn't mean necessarily that it's good for us. And that's what we need to in some way engage with when it comes to entrepreneurship. Because whether we've got one client, 20 clients, 100 clients, 1,000 clients, we have an impact, mm. we have influence. And whether or not we like it or not, even in an indirect way, these dynamics will find their way into at least the organization, but very often into brand, into, into the story that we tell. Because the world is simply a reflection of our interior. Mm. How we see the world is not general every single person is completely unique with a completely different understanding of how the world works and what's right and what's wrong. And and we all look for things. And the things that we look for might not necessarily make us happy. They might just be familiar. And if familiar is, no, well, my dad loves me and that's what he does. That's what he does. Every now and again, maybe I deserve to be hit. And we have to ask ourselves, what do we deserve? And as entrepreneurs, where the risk is so high, the responsibility and the importance of having that conversation with ourselves and looking at our patterns is incredibly important. So when you tell me you're busy, I only think two things, which is that you're inefficient and you believe a story about what it is that you deserve, which is that you're struggling to find your actual contentment You're struggling to find your happiness, and you're sacrificing everything at the altar of what it is that you want to achieve. It's that that old saying, which is, life is what happens while you're making plans. Mm. And we need to be conscious of that.
0: Sure. So, something that you keep going back to is entrepreneurship is about service, right? Mm -hmm. We are service men. Yeah. I don't really see that a lot, um,
1: what, do, what does that mean for you?
0: So I, I just I just don't see a lot of people understanding that this is about serving. I just want to explore that with you. Just how you feel people need to shift that thinking of going. I'm not here only to become you know the next uh, popular guy that started this exciting business and getting all the press and all of that. But there's a core to what I'm doing that's very service and purpose driven Mm. and like what do you think is happening in the psychology of entrepreneurs in South Africa's landscape or the world's landscape where that service element is sort of fading or it's not as prominent as it should be
1: that's very easy to define that which which is if you look at someone who is getting press right now see whether or not they still have press in five years because the odds of them not having served someone in that time and that they're still of importance 5 years from now is very low you get you get two kinds of people man you get people who do things for themselves because they're they're hurting And they feel that they're owed something Or that they believe they deserve it Because they went through something Like entitlement is a very real phenomenon And then there is a part which is that You know what it is man A lot of the time entrepreneurship Just comes from a place of I really don't want someone else to experience The shitty thing that I experienced If I can if, If this one thing that I hated That happened to me If I can do anything to be able to reduce the amount of that happens in the world, I feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. And it's not necessarily as simple as, okay, um, just to go back to domestic abuse, um, okay, I was in an abusive relationship, I'm going to start a NPO for, for, for battered woman. It's not necessarily that simple. It might be that I really struggled to make friends when I was in primary school, and that stuck with me my entire life, and now I want to start a social network. I want to start a website that connects people. You know what I mean? We all are trying to, not all of us, but I feel like many entrepreneurs, especially now, are starting to realize that there's something, if they are going to be making an impact, it needs to be in the direction of the thing That they wish never happened to them mm. Right so, so I think that there are two kinds of people They're the people who do things for themselves For their own survival And they're people who go, I'm actually okay It's like, I don't have much But I'm, I'm okay I'm loved I'm secure I have, I have work-life balance And I like the feeling Of being able to Make someone stay simpler Better In whatever way I can And I want to build something for those people Whether it's a product or a service or an organization To be able to Bring more of that Into that person's life Uh, Any interaction With another person There's an opportunity for that to be A privilege In some kind of way It's like As much as living is a privilege It's like we did nothing to deserve being here Yet We are And the fact that we're sharing this together This all sounds very like happy clappy kumbaya But if you don't look at things like this You have to ask yourself What educates that What, What makes you feel that Your engagement with people Shouldn't be for the benefit of the people around you and then you have to ask yourself What do you have to lose Now if you were to go to To ego entrepreneurs They'd have a very long list of Of reasons Why they are the way in which they are Which is What do I have to lose You know um, To just bring it home for some, for some of the listeners An example of this will be You meet a girl for the very first time You really like her She's very smart She's very beautiful And she She's someone that you want to spend time with. And for the first three months, she lets you know the moment you want to get close to her that she doesn't trust you. And then you ask, why is that? What has happened in your life that you feel the need to remind me that I'm not allowed to be close to you yet. You're here. Mm. You're asking for the thing that is contrary for to the thing that we are here to do. And it's not just sexual, that might just be like, tell me how your day was. Some people struggle with that level of vulnerability. Why do you care about my day? What do you want to know? It's like, how do you see the world? Do you see the world as the world happening to you or are you happening to the world? Mm. And I think that that's, that's something that's not talked about enough. And that is at the core of service. Because if I'm happen, happen, happening to the world, then I'm solid and I'm able to not feel as if my interaction with the world brings me down or pulls me up. It might make me happier when I get to be of service because I feel like I'm doing something worthwhile, but, but I'm not losing anything in the process. Mm. And, and I think that that's, that's not, that's not talked about enough.
0: Yeah. What's the, just to round things off. No, sure. uh, What's the impact that you hope to have on the entrepreneurial landscape, whether it's from a consulting perspective or you know with the workshops that you're doing, like what do you hope to achieve, and what do you hope the change will be with the entrepreneurs that you interact with and the impact of it all?
1: yeah so I mean I, uh, mm, okay so you ask you're, so in my my language you're asking me uh, what is what would be the outcome of the service mm. so South Africa doesn't like psychology, not really. Majority of people in South Africa, when you go and see a psychologist, you almost become like a bit of an outcast, like there's something wrong, seriously wrong with you. Um, and it's not about psychology, man. It's about we are beautifully complex animals, beings. And entrepreneurship is a very interesting idea. Because it Is completely a creative act Of sharing yourself Your values Your understanding Your perspective In a way that is wrapped up In a particular service or a product So You are sharing yourself Yet we don't have the conversation About what it means to do that And the layers of context That that holds And that that will have an impact on the people that we're engaging with. And I think that having a conversation around emotional development and entrepreneurs who often become leaders in some kind of way, entrepreneurs become um, in communities, they they become someone that people listen to. If I can have a, a impact where people can be more thoughtful, less self-absorbed, more compassionate, more, Invested in the betterment of the person standing across from them Rather than wondering what I can get from them If that can be led in some kind of way By me and by people like me who are able to help I think that that's a conversation worth having Because I don't think it happens enough So it's not about money It's about life making it about money is very fucking boring and one-dimensional
0: that's like the perfect the most perfect way to end the podcast cool man thank you so much
1: dude what a pleasure thank you so much